What happens when leaders don't pay attention to the signals they get from their environment? In a single word, disaster. But it doesn't have to be this way. And on today's show, we're talking with Dr. Rick Bommelje about the importance of listening in leadership. Welcome, I'm your host, JB Adams. Each week, I bring you conversations with leaders. And in this series, we're talking with leaders who practice servant leadership. Our philosophy is that a leader is anyone who influences change. So on this show, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how leaders can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show is part one of a series, and our guest is Dr. Rick Bommelje, president of the Leadership and Listening Institute and the founder of the nonprofit organization, Listening Wisdom. He's enjoyed a 46-year career at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, where he's a professor in the Department of Communication, teaching courses that emphasize listening. In 2012, he was named one of the 300 best professors in the nation by Princeton Review. He's the author of three books about the power of listening. In addition to his professorship, he provides coaching, consulting, and speaking in the areas of listening and leadership. Rick, welcome to the show, Leadership Life Stories. Wow, this is an honor. Thank you, JB, and the privilege is mine. Well, likewise. So the world that we live in right now seems to be crying out for listening. Tell us about what is happening with your daily alert. I'm, I'm keen on Google in terms of pinging things about listening. And what I'm noticing today, and actually during the past three months, maybe four, is that the word listener listening is coming across more so today than when I began doing this. Mm-hmm. And so when we see these forces of COVID, racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. uh, the economy, and all of the issues wrapped around it, today is ripe for listening. And, and tell us, what do you think is the risk if our leaders are not listening? Disaster. That should get the, the attention of all of us. The costs are on a range from very small, the costs of not listening, to death, Mm -hmm. which to me is the ultimate cost. So there are two two outcomes of listening. We either add value or we incur the cost. There's no in-between. In every single situation, relationship, exchange, there's always this value that could be a plus or a minus. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say, I think there's a tendency among all of us to place blame and say, well, if our leaders don't start listening, we're, we're headed for disaster. When I really would like to say the opportunity is for all of us to set the example, even though sometimes that's really hard 
to say leadership starts with me and listening starts with me. It's an inside out job. Yeah. And that you strike a really important point that hits me right smack in the heart because for too long, I had this default of blaming and that making excuses, right? Explanations, all that stuff gets in the way. Yeah, you, you learn listening by observing the examples around you. Yes. Listening is a key part of servant leadership. So when I asked Rick Bommeljay about his greatest accomplishment, I expected him to discuss his work in leadership and listening. But it turns out there's another accomplishment that's even more important to him. So you'll hear the surprise in my voice and see it on my face when he reveals what that is. That said, this conversation still gives great insight into listening and also into accomplishment. When I think about accomplishment, it means intentional, intentionally earning the fruit, if you will, mm -hmm. of the effort. And for me, it's my marriage, mm -hmm. 48 years of marriage. Okay. Let's, let's call that one your proudest accomplishment. Yes? I, yes, I would say not only proudest, but most significant. All right. And you are married to whom? My spouse is Quinn. And Quinn is a celebrity. Okay. She is she, a celebrity. She, yeah. She appeared on America's Got Talent two seasons ago. And she and her dance partner um, made it all the way to the live round at the Dolby Theater, <laughs> Hollywood, California. They won the golden buzzer. Um, she's gotten worldwide attention. It's, it's incredible. And she did it in this area that she began only 10 years prior to, which is dancing, ballroom dancing. And this was uh, a very extreme form of ballroom dancing. I like to call it acrobatic ballroom dancing mm -hmm. um, because it's very dangerous. And um, in 10 years, how does a person go from not even being able to count time to all of a sudden being on this huge platform? And winning championships. Yes, world championship four times. It, to me, shows tremendous drive because one of the things I admire about Quinn is she's not shy about sharing her age. Yes. And she tells everyone she started dancing, was it at the age of 60? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that came out of an invitation to a friend's wedding. And she said to me one day when I came home from work, um, I think it's time for us to learn how to dance because we don't know how. <laughs> and we don't want to look stupid on the dance floor. So and that's how it started. 
And, and you participated for a while. I did. And then she realized that there was a competitive side to this. Now, prior to this, she had spent close to 30 years in competitive tennis. Yeah. And so when she realized that there was competition, our paths kind of, well, went in different directions. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine that conversation when she said, hey, I really want to compete. Did she ask you to come along or did she tell you? Well, at that point, I said, I think it's a wonderful idea. <laughs> I will support you in any way I can. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so tell me about this as a proud accomplishment um, of how, how many years? 48 years of marriage. And I'm, I must say that the listening dynamic all really started because I almost lost her mm -hmm. because I was not listening. Mm -hmm. Not once, but multiple times. And uh, you don't have to answer this question, but I just want to make this comment and get your reaction. People can do the math and figure out roughly uh, how old you guys are. And what I want to make a note of is whenever I see the two of you, whether it's in person or on social media, um, there's a spark. And that's, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great to, to learn. Well, I, and I, I don't think you're faking it. You're not just doing this to be famous on social media. Yeah, it's the real deal. It's yeah. the real deal. And, and quite frankly, I sometimes wake up in the morning and I, I just thank, I, I thank the Lord that I am married to my wife. And if I may ask, is there a secret to keeping it alive? For me, the secret was to drop my ego. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be right all the time, right? And also to, and I keep coming back to this point, be an open, open learner. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me years and years to come to this because that's not how it started out. How did Rick Bommelje's marriage start out? We'll hear more about that in a later part of this interview. As our conversation continued, I learned how Rick Bommelje got started in the field of listening, and that's what's coming up after this short break. Stay with us. Welcome back. Our guest is Dr. Rick Bommeljay, and our conversation continues as he describes his most impactful accomplishment and tells us how listening is one of the most important parts of servant leadership. What do you consider the greatest part of your work where you're making the biggest impact? I think without a doubt, it's helping folks to become acquainted with the one activity that they do more in their life than any other activity except to breathe, which is to listen in a way that they haven't really thought about, to expose them to this communication mode, which can become a way of life beyond just a communication mode. It's a way of living. And so, 
to me, it's having this wonderful opportunity to have multiple learning journeys. And I use that plural. So when we talk about biggest accomplishment, the biggest accomplishment for me is having the privilege to guide these journeys for all these years and opening up doors for others. Anecdotally, what, what is some of the evidence that you notice of impact as a result of listening? Well, obviously marriages that have been saved, but more than that, or I should say in addition to that, there are all kinds of evidences of meaningful relationships outside of marriage that have been perhaps nurtured or saved, uh, work relationships, um, different perspectives on the job from a leadership standpoint on what the role is, what my role is as a leader, really, if I incorporate listening into the philosophy of leading. Mm -hmm. And for the sake of our listeners, uh, I want to establish listening is one of the key components of servant leadership. So tell us more about how listening is sort of required and expected of a servant leader. Servant leadership, of course, ages old philosophy embedded in religions throughout the globe. And when we start to break it down, there are well-defined characteristics that um, a number of people have written about. Um, One in particular is Larry Spears, the original director of the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership. And he wrote this wonderful article on the 10 characteristics of servant leadership. And number one, listening. Number two, empathy. Well, that's listening. Mm -hmm. Number three, awareness. Oh, there's listening again. Number four was healing. Oh, listening. It kept coming up over and over again. Interestingly enough, number five is persuasion. Hmm. Think, how does persuasion fit into servant leadership? It's having the opportunity to be able to, through word or actions, be able to invite people on a different path. I completely agree, and I'd like to get your reaction. To me, persuasion, being influential, is more powerful when you start by listening to what the other person has to say and then connecting it to what you needed to say. I see lots of people who think being persuasive means I'm talking now and assuming that everyone else is listening, but you gain so much power when you start with listening. Absolutely. And the golden pause is a wonderful way to persuade. Mm -hmm. Don't have to say anything. It's what you show with your nonverbals within that golden pause. And so what happens is the speaking and listening becomes 
like a Mobius strip where it's in continuous flow of speaking, listening, speaking, listening. It's not separate components, but it becomes totally seamless, integrated. Tell us how you started on this journey. You, you, listening wasn't something that you had a you know, distinct interest in. As a young person, you landed upon it as an adult. Yes, and it all comes from mistakes and being aware of those mistakes in my marriage and on the job. Mm-hmm. There was a point in the workplace where... I was in a leadership role, a formal leadership role, had 12 team members. We had built this wonderful organization. And I had a a new opportunity to work with a a boss that um, was asking lots of questions, lots of questions, and then offering up advice and This was kind of new behavior because we created this whole operation. So everything that was brought to me, we had tried it. And it was like, been there, done that, tried it. And it suddenly dawned on me that I'm not a team player here, (laughs) right? I'm this egotistical guy that knows it all. And I'm not listening for these opportunities that may be presented to me. Yeah, maybe we did try it three years ago, but maybe we didn't try it exactly as it's being presented today. Mm -hmm. And the circumstances have changed. Exactly. And so there was kind of a clash of realization that between my home life, which was not happy, happy Mm -hmm. and my work life, which was concerning me, I had this realization that I was a lousy listener and I needed to change and change fast. And that was the impetus. And what were the first resources that you looked into? I started to read. I, I, I was a voracious reader. I wanted to find as much as I could on listening. And there, there weren't a lot of books published, but there was an article that came through amongst the many that I had gathered on listening in the workplace, and it was by Dr. Lyman Style. Mm-hmm. And He worked at the University of Minnesota with the father of the field of listening, Dr. Ralph Nichols. And in this article, he mentioned the International Listening Association. And so I decided to uh, go to the next convention. It was in New Orleans. And Dr. Style had a pre-convention one-day workshop on listening in the workplace. And it was incredible. Everything that he said, I could put my name in front of everything as a need. Mm -hmm. And so then the bonus was going to the convention, meeting Dr. Nichols and this community of folks who have devoted their lives, 
full-time, part-time, in some way, shape, or form, to the study, the teaching, the research, the practice of listening. And that opened, that, that was the opening salvo, if you will. Our interview continued with a discussion of how listening plays a role in Rick's work as a leadership coach. Just a note, the Center for Courage and Renewal, mentioned here, is an organization co-founded by writer, speaker, and activist Parker J. Palmer to create a more just and compassionate world. Now, Rick, I know that you do work as a coach, and each one of us has a philosophy on coaching. Tell us what yours is. Mine is to get out of the way. And I intentionally, quickly tried to use the 90-10 formula. Okay. 90% client, 10% Rick in terms of speak time. Okay. Because it's not about um, me saving, fixing, telling. It's about creating the space, at least the way that I approach coaching, creating a space that is helpful and open for someone to be able to listen to their own voice speak. Mm Mm-hmm about whatever brings them to this space. Do you believe that everyone has the answers inside of them and you're just waiting for them to find them on their own? Yes. And I've tried to move away from leading in a coaching relationship. And I think that that's, largely due to my work with the Center for Courage and Renewal, recognizing that we have the inner master, the teacher inside, that does have the answers. Mm -hmm. And do you also find that there uh, are sometimes clients who want to be led and get frustrated with this philosophy until they figure out how it works? Very much so. Very much so. I think the other thing, and this has happened in the last three coaching relationships that I've had, is these were not by design seekers who Mm. came out of desire, their self-desire to be able to improve and grow. It came from the organization. And that presents an interesting dynamic in terms of how, and I had them coming face-to-face to my office. And in some regards, I felt like they were coming to the principal's office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to try to break through that barrier and create this opportunity for, you know, total anonymity and just everything was secure. It takes a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah. But in the, it's an investment, but it pays off in the long run. Yes. As you just heard, listening is critical to effective leading. 
I want to thank Dr. Rick Bommeljay for joining us and sharing his philosophy of servant leadership. Next week, our interview continues with part two. We'll hear about the early experiences that shaped Rick Bommeljay's identity from his childhood in upstate New York, the values that he learned from his father, and his service to our country during the Vietnam War. That's next week, so please join us. Thanks for listening. You can find episodes of Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group shows at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Sound design and video production by Jeremy Harmson. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is JB Adams, and until next time, remember, life is for service.